Well, we are going to be in Proverbs chapter 2 today. Not at the very beginning, though. We're going to cut into it at about halfway through. Uh, last week in chapter 1, we saw the, the call for the purpose of Proverbs, that we would uh, gain discernment and knowledge and wisdom and know the right paths to take. The, the portions that we uh, didn't go into that hopefully you studied throughout the week was a warning against how sinners can entice us to go in their ways. And then we even had a love that wisdom comes and, and calls out to us. And I think as we go through Proverbs, we're going to see a lot of similarities between wisdom and salvation. Wisdom and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because wisdom in, in the Old Testament was calling out. It was the path of life. It was the path of uh, God. It was the way to be saved in their way. You know, prior to the cross, with the, following, the, the focus on uh, sacrifice and the Mosaic Law, walking in God's path was the way to salvation. To, to, to listen to Him and obey Him was the way to have salvation. The very beginning of chapter 2 is kind of a, a repeat in, in ways. It's an encouragement to uh, receive the words of the Father. You know, my son, receive my instruction, receive my words. And, and it kind of talks about why it's beneficial to obey God and to listen to Him. And, and similar to Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1-7. through seven. In fact, in, in what we looked at last week, uh, we were told that it would give uh, righteousness, justice, and equity. And in chapter 2, those are repeated that... Uh, in verse 9 it says, Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity in every good course. So this, is, this is if you listen to God's word, if you listen to God's wisdom, what the benefits will be and, and how you will be able to walk in life. And what we are going to look at today, though, in chapter 2, verses 12 through 22, we, we see two paths that are available to us in how we live our lives. And, and that's what we are going to look at today, these divergent paths. And God's wisdom will help us steer clear of one path and also guide us on the other path. And so that's what we're looking at today with the, the benefits and the encouragement of gaining wisdom, of gaining uh, God's knowledge and studying the Proverbs. What is the result for us? Well, we, we're going to pick up with it in verse 12. The, as you gather knowledge, as you gather wisdom, not just knowledge, but wisdom, how to properly apply that knowledge from the Lord, He has purpose and reason. And, and He begins with, in verse 12, to deliver you from the way of evil. God's wisdom and His guidance for us has the result that we would grow in discretion and understanding to deliver you from the way of evil. Specifically, from the man who speaks perverse things. The person who would uh, say things that are perverse, and that word perverse in the Hebrew is the idea of to turn or to, or to overturn. So when we talk about things being a perversion, or you pervert the path, it's literally the idea that uh, you're flipping things upside down. 
We see this in, in Scripture often when God talks about that the wicked call what is good wicked and what is wicked good. That is a perversion. He, they are flipping things upside down. When we, when we speak of perversion, that's, that's really what we're getting at. That, that God has a way, He has a design, and we are twisting it. We are flipping it upside down. We are going about it the wrong way. And that is what he is warning us for, that, that if, you, if you study the Proverbs, if you listen for God's wisdom, if you seek God's wisdom, if you allow it to change your life, it will deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things. Not only that, but in verse 13, from those who leave the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness. This is kind of similar to uh, Proverbs chapter one verse eight and following and talking about you know don't follow the enticements of the sinner don't don't listen to them when they say hey come with us let's all share a common purse let's uh, gain by killing these people let's let's rob them let's steal from them don't go these directions well there are people who choose to depart the paths of uprightness. And instead, they start to walk in darkness. In the ways of darkness. Verse 14 tells us, who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil. They don't just do it, but they grow to the point where they delight in it. That they rejoice, they take great joy and celebrate in the perversity of evil. These are people, in verse 15, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. What a, what a contrast. We've, we talk about and we see you know, God's path is straight. That if we would seek out His ways and His wisdom and ask His Holy Spirit to guide us on level paths, on straight paths. But here he's talking about there are people in this world who uh, speak perverse things. They say things that twist the world upside down. And not only that, but they leave the paths of uprightness, of righteousness. And they go in the way of darkness. Not only that, they delight in doing evil. This uh, isn't just a description of of a person out there or potential people out there. This, I think, is a description of how we get to a place of walking on crooked paths. Notice it begins with the mouth. Uh, the man who speaks perverse things. In James, we're told that, you know, why do we sin? Well, we lust and do not have, and so we commit murder and we seek to grab it. And that he talks about how uh, everyone is tempted but temptation in itself isn't enough. It's when that temptation takes root and takes hold of us that we lust for it and then we give into it and then we sin. There's a process. And similarly, there is a process. It starts with speaking. It starts with speaking things that are not true. Not just perverse in the sense of, of red light district kind of stuff or, or what's on the internet. This is just anything that is not true that is the opposite or is an inverting of the truth, that is perverse. And it begins with suggesting these ideas and speaking these ideas. 
And then as we talk about them, then we start to leave the paths of uprightness. And we start walking in the ways of darkness. And not only that, but as you go along that direction longer and longer, then you start to enjoy the darkness. And when the light comes, they did not receive Him. Because they did not love the light. They loved darkness instead. We start to love the darkness. We delight in doing evil to the point of rejoicing in the perversity of evil. These paths, this way of evil, it's crooked. It's destructive. But notice it just begins with speaking. I think of uh, Adam and Eve in the garden. How did it all begin? Just with, with speaking. There was the tree. There was the knowledge of good and evil. There was all the other trees. Everything that God had blessed them with just don't eat from this one tree. But what happened? The serpent came to Eve and said, did God really say? First calling into question God, and then when she says, yes, we can't even touch it or we'll die, the serpent says, oh, you surely will not die. No, he just doesn't want you to be like him. He knows that that fruit is going to give you knowledge, and he doesn't want you to have it. It's just talking. Just talking, just throwing it out there, an idea about who God is and whether or not He really loves you and whether or not He really has what's best intended for you because it looks like God's withholding something really good from you, doesn't it? It looks like maybe God doesn't love you enough because He's withholding this good thing from you. And so she looked and she thought, you know that fruit, that looks good and it's it's, got, it's good for giving me wisdom. And so she took, she ate, she left the path of uprightness. She gave to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then their eyes were opened, and then they really leave the path of uprightness because when God comes looking for them, they hide. They do not want to be seen because they know that they are naked and they are afraid. Afraid of their Creator, afraid of God who is loved them and blessed them and communes with them, now they have to walk away. And their later generations get to the point who they delight in doing evil. They rejoice in the perversity of evil. You have Lamech who says, you know, hey, I have killed a boy just because he wronged me. He takes delight in his wickedness. But what did it all begin with? Just, just a few words. Just a suggestion about who God was. But that's the, that's the way of evil. The way of evil begins with a suggestion. The way of evil does not begin with the full-on uh, wickedness. No, it begins with the suggestion. It begins with just a word, just an idea. And if we entertain that idea, if we allow it to grow in us, that's what gets us down that path. When we talk about to deliver you from the way of evil, it's, real, it's literally the idea of the life, how we live our lives. And just think about some of the changes that have come over our country over the years. We've had great things happen. We've had wickedness and injustice be corrected. But we've also seen great wickedness thrive and grow and be nurtured to the point where it is 
it is declared a good. And to say, no, this is wicked, is to be called wicked and bad. I I think of things, you know, uh, it it almost seems passe today, but we we have homosexual marriage is legalized. We now have the transgender movement driving us full force. And, and the next thing, you know, if you, if you don't have limits on who can be in a marriage, if, if no longer does a, the marriage certificate say man, woman, or husband, wife, if now it just says partner one, partner two, hey, it's not hard, and there are some, com- there are some municipalities that are just willing to add a few extra lines. Partner three, partner four. There's a movement out there that believes that it is good and healthy for men to have relationships with young boys. And they say, oh, it'll never happen. No, we're never going to push for that. Yeah, yeah, you said that about a lot of other things too. But it just starts with people talking and talking and talking. And then it starts to grow. What is the, the cause of the explosion of children today who think, I'm in the wrong body? What a novel concept. How many people a hundred years ago had such an idea? Maybe some, but very few. There are people who have mental illnesses where they think, I shouldn't have my arm. They want to chop it off. It's considered mental illness. But to chop off other parts of your body is considered a good thing in our society today. How did we get here? Talking. They, they suggest it to one another. There is some uh, evidence that the transgender movement among teenage girls especially has to a certain extent replaced self-harm of cutting and anorexia and bulimia and things like that. Things that were an issue when I was a a teenager. And and a lot of girls that were in that environment, they'll say, well, we all kind of encouraged one another. We were talking and you'd, you'd go and you'd try to find out how can I do this better. And then when the internet blew up, and everybody had internet access, then you could go on sites and and talk to other people about, hey, what's the best way of cutting myself where nobody will notice? And they would actually encourage one another. Now, now there are sites that do the same thing, encouraging one another to harm themselves, to to declare, oh, I'm really a man inside. There's a growth among men, even, to feel like they're really women. There have always been some of these men. They were around in the 60s and the 50s. They, they had to hide a little bit more, but now they're very open. But it's grown. It's exploded. Why? It begins with a thought. It begins with a suggestion. It begins with a word of perversion, of twisting things upside down. For a lot of men, it comes out of the use of pornography, believe it or not. They start to grow in these thoughts. They feed these thoughts. They start to lead. It goes from just being a suggestion. It starts becoming a practice, an action. And the next thing you know, they're walking the ways of wickedness. Not only do they walk in those ways and walk in the way of darkness, but they start to delight in evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil. And that's why in June, there are big parades of enjoyment and excitement and all sorts of colors and absolute perversity and it's accepted it's praised in fact if you give 
your hard-earned money to an organization that doesn't say anything against it, just wants to support healthy boys and healthy girls, you'll be called homophobic and wicked and evil because that's what happened to the founders of Chick-fil-A just for supporting, uh, I want to say it's Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I, I was able to remember that. Just for that. Our country, our society is completely flipped upside down into perversity. And, and, and not in just those ways, but to, to, the, you know, that, that truth is good. That there is a truth and it's objectionably known. That I can see it and we can all agree that is true. That is being thrown away. It's just a suggestion, but it will grow. There are people in education today that suggest that the statement of 2 plus 2 equals 4 is racist. White people came up with that, which isn't true. We got it from Africa, but that's what they say today. Where will it lead us but to destruction, to, to rejoicing the perversity of evil? And, and each one of us individually, we got to watch out for our lives because it begins just with a suggestion, something you read, something you see, something you feel inside and you let it grow and you walk that way. And if you don't know the wisdom of God, if you don't know what God has said, He has made them male and female what, you know, and that He has designed you and that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. If you don't know these things, if you don't repeat them to yourself and remind others of them, well, how, how easy it is for us to let the speech that is perverse lead to leaving the paths of uprightness. And then it leads to walking, not just getting on those paths, but to walking in the way, ways of darkness, to, to live in those ways. And it just grows and grows and grows. Now there's a second um, angle to this. Solomon, in, in writing this, we have two different groups. We have the man who speaks perverse thing and those who walk in evil. And then, uh, in verse 16, we're going to go to a, the strange woman. We're going to look at a woman who uh, would lead you astray. And it's easy to think of these as separate, but I think it really is repeating some of the same ideas and it's, it's, a, uh, it's a device for saying how strong and how, how, how problematic this is, that you have two witnesses doing this thing. All right? Uh, Verse 16 tells us, as, as wisdom is there to deliver us from the way of evil, and verse 16, to deliver you from the strange woman. Uh, she's not the normal woman. She's strange. Who is she? She is the, from the adulteress who flatters with her words. The, the word adulteress is literally foreign. Remember when the Israelites were coming into the promised land and God had warned them, that they should not intermarry with the other nations. That they had to watch out about having foreign wives. Why? Because a foreign wife would have her foreign gods. And if you brought her into your home, if you lived with her, you were marrying yourself to her and you were potentially going to be led astray by the foreign wife with her foreign gods. And so the adulteress who flatters with her words, who literally divides your attention and your focus that leaves the companion of her youth. This is where we get the idea of that she's an adulteress and why would, we would translate foreign that way. It's not just that she's foreign. 
uh, it's that she has left the companion of her youth, which is a euphemism for marriage. You get married generally when you're young. You grow old together is the theory, it's the picture that we have. And, and adultery and, and um, disloyalty comes when you abandon or you leave the companion of your youth. This is a picture of the Israelites with God. God says, hey, you were a baby, I, I raised you, I married you, and now you're off running after other guys. You were mine, and now you're going and seeking other lovers, not me. Later on in Proverbs, we're going to have the encouragement to the man to, to stay faithful and, and, and to the wife of his youth. The idea, the language there is, is that he is older and she is the wife of his youth. In other words, even back then they had an idea of trophy wives. You don't trade her in for a newer model. You stay delighted in the wife of your youth even as she is no longer young. But this woman, she leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her tracks lead to the dead. Even the language here is very poetic. The word track has the idea of something that sinks in and presses. You know, if you, if you make tracks on the road, you're going to sink into the ground and we can see it. Well, her steps sink into the ground. Her tracks, that you could follow her tracks, they sink in. But her tracks, where do they go? They lead to death. Her house sinks to the death. Her tracks lead to the dead. None who go to her return again, nor do they reach the paths of life. The, the warning here for us is, is that not only do we need to watch out for the one who says perverse things, who, that, that, and we need to watch out that we don't believe perverse things that are said, that we need to not walk in the paths of darkness, but also to deliver us from the strange woman. She's enticing. She's not what I'm used to. She's exciting. She's not the dull old thing, you know, the girl next door. They're all the same. But no, this girl, she's from the city. Woo, she's different. She's enticing. She flatters me. She says nice things to me. She makes me feel good. But what is, what is the truth about her? She's dividing my allegiance from, from what I am supposed to do to tempt me into other things. She has left the companion of her youth. She has forgotten the covenant of her God. And what will happen if I follow her is that I will do those same things too. Her path, her tracks lead to the head. Her house sinks down to death. If I enter into it, if I follow into her paths, I'm going to be destroyed, is what he's saying. None who go to her return again. They don't, they don't escape. They don't find and reach the paths of life. The way of evil begins with a suggestion. But we know from Genesis chapter 3, the way of evil results in death. And that's what he's saying here. It begins with a suggestion. It begins with the, the temptation, but the result is death. Walking in the ways of darkness, walking along crooked paths, getting enticed by uh, temptation. I don't think that 
literally Solomon is constantly worried about actual adulteresses always walking around. I mean, that is obviously the literal view of it and, and what he is dealing with directly. There's so much adulterous talk, especially in the first part of the book of Proverbs. You've got to kind of wonder, was it really that big of a deal? Or is it the fact that the adulterous woman stands in for that which entices us, that which looks good, but the end result is death, that which feels good and exciting and life-giving. You know, there there are people that just feel so alive when they're doing what's wrong, and they get excited about it, and they follow after it, but it leads to death. And that's where, that's where the, the way of evil results. It begins with just a suggestion, just a thought. I, I would say following along with the woman, uh, the strange woman, the adulteress who flatters with her words, that doesn't, nobody wakes up one day and just decides, I'm going to throw my whole life away today. No, no, but there's a suggestion somewhere along the line. I'm not getting what I'm doing. I'm not having any fun. This isn't love. I'm missing out. Just a suggestion starts it, doesn't it? And then you find somebody that maybe they've got what my wife doesn't have or my husband doesn't have. Maybe they can do something for me that I'm not getting right now. Maybe this is what God really wants for me. And we start perverting everything and twisting it. It begins with a suggestion. But if you follow after it, you will end in death. They don't reach the paths of life. So, uh, verse third, or excuse me, verse twenty, it continues this idea not with a to deliver, which is literally to snatch you out. Like we have to be snatched out of the harm's way. We have to be snatched out of the way of evil and the way of death. That's what that's what wisdom does. Is it snatches us out. It delivers us. But instead, in verse twenty, so you will walk in the way of good men. The first two were were you don't want to go this way. Wisdom will deliver you from these, but it's not just being saved from. It's being saved for. The same thing is true with our our faith in Jesus Christ. We're not just saved from our sins. We are saved for Him. So you will walk in the way of good men and keep to the paths of righteousness that, that you won't walk astray, that you won't leave those paths. Remember, uh, verse 13, it was from those who leave the paths of, unrighteous, of, of uprightness. Now, we are going to keep the paths of the righteous. Verse 21, for the upright will live in the land. And the blameless will remain in it. Not just to have life, but to remain in life. To, to be secure. To not be cast out. But verse 22, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be uprooted from it. They'll be pulled out by the roots and taken away. Wisdom has the ability not only to save us from the way of evil, but to guide us along the path of righteousness. And and what we see here, whereas the, the adulterous woman, her home is the way of death. Her house sinks to death. Her tracks lead to the dead. But here, if we walk in the way of good men, if we keep to the paths of righteousness, then the upright will live in the land. The blameless will remain in it. It, it, It's 
is to to live, to have life and joy and to grow. And, and everything the world tells you right now is, is that if you follow these ways, that's death. But no, he's saying, no, that's, that's true life. And all the things that the world says is life, oh, you're only living once and we've got to do this and we've got to do that and be, be true to yourself and, and do what feels good. All of those things are the things that lead to death. But if you accept wisdom, if you choose to walk in the way of good men, if you keep to the paths of righteousness, you will live. Because to choose the way of righteous is to choose life. We, to choose the way of the righteous is to choose life. It, it's to say, I want to live according to God's ways. It's to say, I want to live right and I want to live with God. And this is the great struggle throughout not just Proverbs, but our lives. Which, which path are we going to walk? Which path are we going to take? Are we going to take the way of righteousness and, and choose life? Or are we going to listen to the perverse things? Are we going to step off those paths of uprightness and start walking the paths of darkness and sin? Are we going to delight in doing evil? I can't think of a better statement for a huge uh, just part of what our culture is today. You think about way back when. You know, it used to be uh, you, we delighted as a culture in speaking truth. Truth, justice, and the American way. You know, but these ideas that, that we would actually speak truth. Now it's whose truth? I got my own truth. No. That we would seek life. That we wouldn't delight in the perversity and the wickedness. That we would delight in doing good. That we would delight in being upright. In being kind. Being gentle. Now there's so much joy in the world at being wicked. And they're not choosing the right. They're not choosing the right path. They're choosing death, not life. One of the things that struggled me, that, that I struggled with about this, that bothered me as a young man in Proverbs reading, is, is that I was not a believer. And if you're not a believer, if you don't follow Jesus Christ, these things that we study in Proverbs, especially the first uh, seven or eight chapters, it's tough. It'll beat you up because you feel incapable of, of living up to it. Because a lot of us, when we're young, without the Lord in our hearts, you know what? We desire the wickedness. We like the perverse things. We want to go to the woman's house that's adultery. It sounds fun and it's exciting and it's, and, and it's, it's now. God's told me I have to wait for things, but I want it now. How do we do this if we are, uh, and, and if you feel in, at this point in your life today, like, it sounds good, but I just don't know how to do it. I, I'm on those paths of wickedness. I'm walking in the darkness and, and I enjoy it. How do I pick? How do I start walking paths of righteousness? How do I go into the paths of life? 
I think Paul dealt with this in, in a certain similar way, and maybe you feel like the way he communicates it, he felt. In Romans chapter 7, verse 15, Paul told us, For what I am doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do. But I am doing the very thing I hate. You ever get to the point where you're like, you know, I don't want to do what I am doing? The, the thing I would choose to do, if I would do it, is this, but yet I keep finding myself doing that. This is what I want to do, but I'm doing that. That's not what I want to do, but instead that's what I am doing. I'm, I'm not going the direction I want to. He said it in a, in, a, in a different way in verse 19, For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. That, is, that was his situation and his struggle. And that can be our struggle whether you're a believer or not. Sometimes that is our struggle. I want to do one thing, but then you know, the old flesh it rears up before I can hold on to it. I fly off the handle. I get angry. I get cynical. I get mad. I say a snide remark before I have chance to hold my mouth. Eventually, Paul, in verse 24, he says, Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Like, he recognizes he can't do it himself. And, and that's the truth. That's why I think the wisdom passages in Proverbs have a lot to do with salvation. Because the truth is, is that Listening to wisdom is like listening to the Holy Spirit. And walking in God's paths is like following Jesus Christ. We can't do it without His guidance. We can't do it without His intervention. Who will save me from the body of this death? Who will save me from following in the paths of wickedness? Who will save me from going to the house that leads to death? Who will get me back on the path of righteousness? If you're walking on a path of wickedness, it's hard to get onto a path of righteousness. If you're walking in darkness, it's hard to know the right way to go. How will we ever be saved? He says in verse 25, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He who came to give light and life to us. Who guides us from the path of wickedness and the path of unrighteousness to the path of uprightness. Only through Jesus Christ can we get away from the way of evil and walk in the paths of life. Only through Jesus Christ. Only by relying upon Him, by humbling ourselves to Him, by confessing our sins and being saved by Him. Otherwise, we will most likely follow the path of wickedness. The, we'll listen to the perverse things. If Eve did, and she was perfect at the time. She had no sin. If Eve, who had not yet sinned, can be led astray, trust me, you've got no chance without the Holy Spirit's intervention, without believing in Jesus Christ and trusting in Him, without crying out to Him to guide you in paths of life for His name's sake. But that's what He will do. He will guide us in the way of good men. He will deliver us, snatch us up from the way of evil if you believe in Jesus Christ. He is the path of life. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we, we thank You that You give us wisdom to see the world, to see ourselves, to see life and how it is unfolding. We can look in, in our recent history and see how we are uh, gaining speed in our wickedness as a country. We delight in wickedness. We delight in what is evil. We delight in those things that are the complete opposite of what You have declared to be true and good. And we are, as a culture, encouraging one another in these things. We're teaching children to walk in these dark paths, not in the paths of life and righteousness. Heavenly Father, we pray that You would deliver us from these ways. Lord, we pray for our country that You would deliver us from the wicked ways that we are choosing, that we are following, that lead to death and to destruction. Lord, we pray that we would stop perverting truth, but that we would speak right, that we would speak what is true. Lord, we pray for us as individuals Lord, no matter how our world may go, we still have the opportunity to choose You, to choose life, to choose to follow Jesus. And we pray, Lord, for anyone here today who has never placed their faith in Jesus, who is walking maybe a a, a dark path and they feel it, they know it. They think, as Paul did, "I, I really don't like what I am doing. I don't want to do it, but yet I am doing it. Lord, we pray that You would quicken their heart to desire Jesus Christ. That they would believe in Him and follow Him and come to know the truth and know wisdom. Lord, we thank You that You deliver us. We thank You that You set us on the right path. We pray, Lord, for wisdom and guidance to walk in Your ways. We ask these things today in Jesus' name. Amen.